0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator.
2: Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. It is a Super Bowl Saturday. Well, the... Saturday before the Super Bowl between the Cincinnati Bengals and Los Angeles Rams. We're all still licking our wounds after that Chiefs loss in the AFC Championship game. Luckily, we've got you covered right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. This week, we launched the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room. Ron Kopp, Brian Stewart, and Talon Graf got you guys covered. All the way up until the NFL draft, every single Monday, they're going to be talking about prospects, players that they love and hope to see in that Kansas City Chiefs uniform come next season. So we'll start there and then we'll go immediately to the Arrowhead Pride editors with Pete Sweeney and John Dixon as they discuss some pending Chiefs free agents. Then we'll take a quick timeout and when we get back as part of our Super Bowl coverage here at Arrowhead Pride and SB Nation, Pete Sweeney sat down with Travis Kelsey to talk to him about the NFL honors ceremony as well as the disappointing loss to the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC title game. And then following that, I sat down with former Chiefs guard, former New York Jets guard, Laurent DuVernay Tardif. Me and him actually discussed that divisional round playoff win over the Buffalo Bills. He did in fact watch the game, and he was pretty juiced for the Kansas City Chiefs the way all of us were here in KC. That's all coming up on Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week.
0: No, you have to be a year early on a player than a year late, and and that's what the Patriots were always like, right? You know, hey, if You know, maybe this guy can still produce for us, but, you know, down the you know, maybe the second year it it drops off and you can't just sign all everyone to a one year deal. Right. You know, there's going to be guys that demand multi-year deals. So, no, it's a good point. So it's interesting. I just think Frank is is an emotional leader. And I do think if Tyron and Frank leave, someone has to step up as a leader. Right. And and, and we and we actually have talked about this in the group chat in our in our Slack group chat. You know, who who could step up in, in that position to lead? And I think this might be a good, you know, good time to just talk about it real quick. You know, because you're talking about guys like Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Jerry Need, Juan Thornhill. Uh, you know, we we've seen Chris Jones, you know, be an emotional leader on the field. I don't I think everyone can kind of admit he's not ever going to be a true, you know, uh a leader in the locker room in terms of like, you know, leading by example or just kind of like motivating guys. He's more just high energy, which is good to have. Um, I think, you know, maybe a, a guy that could step and be a leader. I know he doesn't, he he seems pretty quiet, but. I got like Nick Bolton. I think could step into that role as the Mike linebacker. You know, if Hitchens, and, and and that's another position we 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 won't talk about today. But you know, if if for you know if Hitchens is not on the team in twenty twenty two for one reason or another, uh, you know, Nick Bolton stepping into that Mike linebacker role, he could be a leader. Any thoughts on on that dynamic? I mean, you know, a a guy like Lajarius Snead, a guy like Willie Gay, or they should be cornerstones to this defense. But are they leaders? Talon, I'll, I'll let you you know, are they are they guys that can replace what you know, Tyron Matthew and, and maybe even a Frank Clark if they do leave? You know, even to Hitchens too. Hitchens is, it seems to be a good leader too. Legarius Sneed and Willie Gay seem to have that kind of maybe gene in their in their uh, in their body. Yeah, look, I mean Usually, typically, you do want that to be a, a middle linebacker type of guy that's always on the field, calling the shots, um, the guy with the green dot, right? So if that's thrust upon Nick Bolton, I think that's up to him, right? I mean, some guys have it, some guys don't. Um, and, and if unless you're forced into that role, some guys just aren't going to take it over. Um, so if Tyron Matthew isn't there anymore, uh, and that's, that's another thing Melvin Ingram could produce. But yeah, if, if that's not there, if Chris Jones can't slide into that role, Nick Bolton might have to, um, and if he wants to thrive in this defense, that's that's another expectation, that's another standard that he has to meet. Um, and same with Willie Gay, that might be on Willie Gay's table. It, it's it's kind of on everybody's. Who's who's going to step up? Who's going to go grab that brass ring now that you know if if thirty two not there, who's going to be that thirty two now? So someone has to. Real quick, Brian, before I want your take on it too. You know Willie Gay. The more I think about him a little bit, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of Travis Kelsey early in his career. You know, a very energetic guy. Willie Gay is is high energy man. He is when you're at training camp. He's the one. He, I I remember he specifically him shrieking, um, almost like you know just just completely shrieking when they announced eleven on eleven at, at training camp last year. Just you know so excited to get you know get real football going. That kind of guy. That kind of energy at practice. But, you know, it, it could be a little – we haven't seen it, I guess, boil over to be erratic like Kelsey's was where he was getting penalties and stuff. But I could see him, you know – Travis Kelsey turned into a veteran leader at some point where most people didn't think he could. Willie Garrett now seems like that ener- that high-energy guy, but can he turn it into true, you know, leadership, you know, in his th- going into his third season? Brian, you got any takes on how the defensive leadership could shift uh, this
3: offseason? So with Hitchens, he's another one. He He's pretty much – I would say all but certain to go. They, they invested the draft pick yeah. in Nick Bolton because he yep. – to, to fill that Mike role. Um, Hitchens is somebody who was considered a leader. The players vote him as a captain every year. But he's not really one where, like, when you're watching as a fan, it's not like a vocal thing. He's never the one breaking down, you know, their huddles and, and what have you. So I think in that way, Bolton is going to be just fine. He's going to be able to – do exactly what Hitchens did, and I think he could even take it up a notch because, one, he's a better football player, and so guys are going to respect um, what he's putting out product-wise on the field more, yep. super instinctive, so he might be able to help guys see things in advance in a way that Hitchens uh, probably didn't as much. Um but this brings up an interesting thing. So Tyron, he is the vocal guy. He's the one who was breaking down all the huddles. And before him, it was Eric Berry, right? What What do you guys think? Is there something to the thought that having a guy like that, I, I don't want to say it's bad, but I think when you lose them and they get hurt, I think it kind of is bad. Because look at the Bills game. It was almost yeah. like they were it was almost like they were lost without him. I think they like were too dependable on him and uh Tyron that is. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like if he's healthy, if that guy who does that job is healthy, I think it's nice to have. But as soon as, you know, things hit things hit and, and a guy's on the sideline, um, it's interesting to see how defenses respond to it, you know, losing yeah. losing that guy.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a fair point. You know, you rely on the leadership and when it's not there, you're, you're too dependent on it and then you can't function without it. You know, you, you can't have that. And that's why I do think, you know, having a young group of guys kind of come up together with, with, you know, which is kind of what it looks like right now, right? Sneed, Fenton, Thornhill are all kind of in that same, you know, year in their career, pretty much, you know, year separate, obviously, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, Sneed's Sneed is a little younger than the guys, but yeah, so they're all kind of coming together where if they all kind of become mutual leaders, right, or kind of together, uh, right, it could be to where, yeah, if one of them does go out, they still have the leadership to go together rather than it just be one veteran and a bunch of young guys. Um, you know, I, I think that is true. But before we get a little too uh, more into kind of how they handle those positions, I do want to throw out what position I think really needs to be addressed this season. And it is more of a luxury, I'll admit, you know, considering you have Tyreek Hill, you have Travis Kelsey, and you have Mc- you know, McCole Hardman, who has found the, his role, right? I do think McCole in that slot position where he, he, you know, he's he's primarily just jet sweeps, you know, reverses, quick bubble screens, you know, uh, shallow crossers. Like, that's great. Let, like, let's keep doing that. But you know what's going to even make those even more effective is a better, more talented X receiver, that wide receiver too. The Chiefs just didn't have that in 2021. You know, I love Byron Pringle. I've been calling for him to play more than Demarcus Robinson. Finally came through this year it still wasn't, you know, anything special, right? He's just a solid player and, and he looks a lot better with a guy like Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball, but I would love to see the chiefs, you know, take the initiative to, Hey, let's just get better at wide receiver, you know, cause you're not going to have Tyreek Hill is a very durable player. That's not always going to be the case. And if Tyreek Hill goes out, you literally have one of the worst wide receiver cores in the entire NFL. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, as, you know, in 2021, at least, you know, hopefully that's not the case in 2022. Right. So, I think wide receiver is a thing. Samuel Watkins was the postseason leader in yardage over that 2-year run for a reason, man. A difference maker can take advantage of those that lesser attention the coverage has because they have Hill and Kelsey. And like I said with Hardman, man, that that pre-stat motion stuff like you know, that stuff is great and and it's and it's going to work, but it's even going to get enhanced by having a guy that can take advantage of, you know, the 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 one-on-one coverage they put on a guy because they need to turn their attention to everything else. Um this can maybe be a good way to transition into how do we want to address all these positions, right? So maybe at wide receiver, I'll start um, where I think they need to, you know, find a guy in free agency because I do think the Chiefs have a lot of guys. Juju Smith-Schuster, is someone they pursued last off season, but he's not the only guy. Man, they have they there are a ton of free agent and wide receivers. It's a big class, you know, whether they want to spend a lot of money or not. There's still names, you know, in the middle class of the free agent free agency. You know, obviously if they want to go big man there's some big names out there um and and that's true but i also think they need to draft one uh, at some point maybe not in the first round but at some point they need to you know stock that receiver position again last time they drafted a receiver in the second round it was McCole hardman and there were so many other options just like imagine if they if they would you know i'm not like i'm not in a bag on McCole with this but i'm just saying they're receivers there's there's star receivers that happen in the second and third round Chiefs need to take a swing at one of those guys especially because you know, with Mahomes, you want to continue that the young talent at the receiving position at just any pass catcher position, you want to continue to grow with him, get them developing now. Um, Brian, I'll go to you first on the receiver position. You got any takes on, on how they should handle receiver. Um, Do you like maybe going the big name free agency route? Or do you think they should just, let's just get younger, maybe even draft two receivers. What do you think about the receiver position?
3: Bunch of takes, bunch of takes. So, uh, Good. To your point to your point though, um, it's kind of a good year for a receiver and that pass rusher uh position where like Veach can take a step back and he, he has a good set of expensive free agents if he wants to go for the big fish. He's got some good uh mid tier guys at both of those positions, um, maybe like one year deal types. And then the draft, the first round. Um, is pretty deep with wide receiver and edge rushers. So like, and here's the big the big elephant in the room is what do they want to do with Tyreek Hill? Uh, one of our uh, contributors at AP, Jared Sapp, he just wrote an article about how it makes a lot of sense if they want to do a contract extension, it makes a ton of sense to get it done in the next couple of weeks because of the way they'd be able to spread out some of his bonus money <clears throat> that's due this year. Um, and so... Is is he in the long term plans? I assume he is. I think he deserves to be. Um, if he's in the long term plans, then I personally don't know how I feel about like spending a bunch of money on a receiver who's going to be the number three option. Yeah. But I'm all for, I am all for signing one like a Juju Smith Schuster and then drafting one. I mean, in the first two days, or uh, you know, I'm I'm with you in the fact that they need to add multiple. And they need yeah. to have multiple that are like starter quality um, options because yeah, you need to protect yourself short term against injury, long term against age with tight yeah. week. So, and yeah. Kelsey, I mean honestly,
0: and, yeah, yep. no, he's a tight end, but it, it's that's why you know it, it sounds like a luxury sometimes because the, the like you just mentioned, it will be a third option, right? It's not wide receiver two, it's not the second option, it is a third option. Back here on the
4: Arrowhead Pride Editor show, I think last one was the reaction to that debacle. And so this feels like the real first offseason version of our program, John. And so with that in mind, we're going to get into our What Happens Now segment. And we'll go back and forth here. I got to think we'd agree on most of these players, but we'll see. Let's start with some, some unrestricted free agents in Tyron Matthew and Charverius Ward. I'll let you go first here. How do you see, see these, these two going? We're lumping them together because uh, you know, they're UFAs in the defensive back room. obviously two very different players, but w- how do you see these going?
5: Well, uh, I think that the Matthews situation is interesting uh, because his valuation as a player isn't necessarily just about his production on the field. If all we're talking about is his production on the field, then you wouldn't bring him back at anything close to the salary that he was making. The unknown in this is how much the Chiefs value him for his leadership, for his uh, skills at setting up the defense, the back end of the defense before the play. These are things that are very difficult for us to evaluate. And I promise you, if Matthews brought back, there will be people who will complain because (laughs) – Uh, They don't feel that he's worth the money that they're paying him to bring him back almost no matter what that, that salary is because they're just looking at it from what they can see obviously on the field. So that to me is the most interesting part of this is, you know, how much do the chiefs value that, that intangible contribution that Matthew brings to the team? I think you can argue that he was a big part of the reason they won this. They turned the defense around and won the Super Bowl in 2019. Um, Maybe that maybe that part of his skill set has waned some since then. And maybe the Chiefs decide to move on for that reason. That'll be very interesting to watch.
4: The problem we'll get back. We'll get toward the problem with with Matthew to me. And I I don't know how they figure this out. It is tangible versus intangible. And you sort of Mm -hmm. alluded to it where Mm -hmm. it's tangible i mean you want to see the passes defense do you want to see the picks you want to see the pff numbers and then intangible is like what is he doing for what is a mild mannered defensive back room right like traverius ward mild mannered <laughs> guy uh for shot fenton mild mannered guy Juan thornhill to an extent and when he's not on twitter mild mannered guy mike hughes <laughs> quiet legerius Sneed, quiet deandre baker doesn't really say much right if Matthew's gone, who leads these guys? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I don't, and who brings them up and, and, you know, maybe outside looking in, that's a little bit more important to us than maybe it is to them. I'm, you know, I'm trying yeah. to play devil's advocate here, but can you really p- pay a tangible salary for an intangible impact? And I just think that, I don't know, you know, it's come out in, in tweets and in deleted tweets that Matthew cares less about money at this point in his career, um, than he did prior to. But I still think you know he's going to only say that and feel that to a certain extent. I mean, I, at the end of the day, and I think to an extent deservingly so, I don't know if he needs to be paid that as the best safety in the league, but he deserves a, a nice chunk of change. And I think the Chiefs had a lot of tough questions to make because they're trying to improve their front four. They're pr- trying to get a premium receiver because I, I really feel like they thought they missed that. And so you have to make some tough decisions there. So it's wrapping your head around how much tangible compensation can we get for intangible when there's no way to measure it. And that creates the ultimate Tyron Matthew conundrum, in my opinion.
5: Well, you know, I think that this comes to a bigger point that uh, that I see all the time is that people try and do this with math. You know, we're, we're paying X number of dollars for each sack or each interception or each big play. And that's not really the way it works <laughs> in real right. life. You know, if that's the way you're going to do it, all you're going to have on your team is undrafted free agents who are playing for NFL minimum salaries. But that's not the reality of it. You need to have some, some veteran players on your team to lead the team and, and be the stars. And they're going to be overpaid. That's just the way it is compared to these younger players who are maybe, you know, your, your, your Turk Whartons, for example, you know, he's going to have, he's going to have big production compared oh, to his salary for a while.
4: And a lot of cheese fans would, would remind you, like that was one of John Dorsey's downfalls was that
5: mm-hmm.
4: Ali contract, the Barry contract, the Dwayne bow, the Scott, that's the, you know, that was a great, yeah. so it, it's hard. Yeah, tough, this is where Andy Reid comes in and I hear him in my head right now saying, like, listen, it's a it's a it's a tough business. And it, and it is. <laughs> it it is. really is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for the third time in this podcast, we don't know what happens with Matthew. So stay tuned. <laughs> and uh, Trevor word what I expect to be back on a minor, yeah. minor deal. Right. You agree yeah, there? me too.
5: Yeah. I, I think I think he gets a bad rap just because he started out as an undrafted free agent. Nobody wants to, to give him much credit. And, and are he's actually been him. a pretty good player.
4: The Chiefs are fortunate that he's under the radar cuz I think it'll be yeah. affordable to bring him back on a one, yep. think a one to two year deal, maybe mm-hmm. one. I like yeah. think DeMarcus Robinson on the defensive side. Um Orlando Brown I I definitely think this is a tag. I I don't I think every indication has as said that this is a tag. I don't think the Chiefs are ready to commit to big money to him. I also think like Orlando Brown came here and if you remember the press conference initially, he's never been against the tag. You make a lot of money. I think it's like Mm -hmm. 16 million if you're an offensive lineman on the tag. And so I think Brown is this rare player who you see tagged and they don't really talk about it that much. He's just tagged and
5: you're kicking it to 2023. What do you think? I'm not as sure as you are that he'll be franchise tagged. I think that's a distinct possibility. Uh, I also think it's a possibility they'll sign into a deal just to to keep his cap number down in 2022. But uh, I think there's no doubt in my mind that he's on the team next year and that he's playing left tackle next year. And I'm not saying that he's the best guy for the job, but he's the best guy the Chiefs can get right now. Well, and I, that's the bottom line, you know? Well, I,
4: th- I think, well, that your last point, though, that that to me makes my point for me because I I agree with that notion where the Chiefs see them, him as the left tackle in 2022. Mm-hmm. I also think there's an argument to be made, like, we need to see you play a little bit better for the whole mm-hmm. year because he kind of yeah. came into his own as the year went on. And then we'll reward you. And he's still young and, uh, you know, he's getting this opportunity to play left tackle. The Ravens didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they wanted him as right a right tackle. And so did Mike Vrabel, the AFC head coach uh, on Sunday. Sorry about that, Orlando. And <laughs> what I would, I would say is I, I think he's really relishing this opportunity. He loves playing with Mahomes. You know, I think there's buy-in into, okay, you want me to prove it? I'll, you know, I'll go do it. Uh, and you're and 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 this isn't the last year of his rookie contract anymore. I mean, you're still making life-changing money. Sure. Time, you know, sure. like generational wealth in the one year. Uh, so even if you get an injury, which can happen, and that's the risk here that, that the player does end up having to take, I mean, you're still making $15 million or whatever it is. I think it's 15 to 16 or something like that for a hundred. 16 point something, I believe, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Ideally, you could move, or work out a deal but i just don't know if the chiefs want to do that for this particular player who i that's think fair. they still yeah. feel needs to prove yeah i think something. that's
1: fair yeah but
4: then like you know you go back to the matthew thing that's why it's tough because you really got to commit 10 million guaranteed a year to matthew at this point you know how much salary room do you have even to, to be capable of doing that it, it, right. it's a weird question all right uh, speaking of salary cap savings defensive end frank clark i think Less uh, <laughs> a a season where he broke the sack record or came close. I, I, I always thought the end game would be for Clark to be cut uh to save some salary room here. Um, But I guess, you know, we have a, an article up this morning, John, that you went through thoroughly of, of Jared Sapp kind of yeah. wondering if he'd be willing to take a Sammy Watkins uh, like pay cut. Where do you
5: land on that? Well, I think Jared makes a good point. Uh, there's a precedent for uh, this situation playing out differently than Clark just being cut for the cap sa- savings. Um, and Jared doesn't come down and say, yeah, this is what's going to happen. He thinks it's still more likely that he gets cut. But he's making, I think, a good point here is that this is very similar in some ways to the situation that we had with Sammy Watkins in 2020, where everybody was sure that the chiefs were done with Sammy Watkins and uh, they'd just cut him and, you know, clear 14 million in cap space. Instead, uh, kind of at the last minute, they make a deal with him where he gives up some of his salary and, and that salary is replaced in his deal with incentives that would be carried on to the next year. I don't think he earned any of those <laughs> incentives and uh, he ended up staying with the team for another year. So I think that's a possibility with Clark. I, I agree with Jared that it's still more likely that they move on from him uh, for a lot of different reasons, which he out, outlines in his argument in his uh, his article. But uh, I think it's a good question to ask if if uh, if this is a situation that could conceivably play out the same way as it did for Watkins.
4: The twenty two base salary for Clark is nineteen million dollars, mm-hmm. which is too much. For yeah. what he offers, Yep. So we'll see. I, I, I think if he's willing to play ball, I, I think sometimes players will come out after the season and say, "This is where I want to be. This is where I want my family to be." And then the team will be like, "Okay, well, here's what we need." And then you really find out if this is where they want their family. Right. To be. <laughs> uh, so I, I, ultimately think Clark's off the team. I don't, I don't buy into the idea that he's going to be willing to take this type of pay cut. I, I think it was a little bit different with Watkins, where he, sure. Watkins, I think, I. It, you know, this is something that's hard to hear, too, with the Bengals about to play in the Super Bowl. Winning the Super Bowl really helps with that argument because I think you're all of a sudden like, well, I could be a repeat champion. I mean, you don't get that opportunity that often um, to do it again mm. with the same type of guys. And, and I I think that helps. Um, speaking of Watkins, and I guess we should mention it before we get to our last player here, Watkins had a tweet this, this week that alluded to wanting to maybe come back to the Chiefs. And uh, I know that, some fans were immediately like hell no i'm saying if it's a small deal yeah and maybe it's incentive laden where you you know he has to play a number of games to, for it to you know there's the likely to be earned versus not likely to be earned mm-hmm. bonuses yep. where if it's not likely to be earned it doesn't even count against the cap and and you say sammy let's i would guess that playing 16 games is not likely to be earned when it comes to watkins career and so i don't know i think there's ways you could do it that would make sense for me. It's always a, a money thing. I and I don't like to talk about player money like I, I always talk to Sean Barber about this, who hates talking about player money because he knows these guys. And I I you know, you gotta challenge people on that it's just because the Chiefs can only spend so much money per year. If there's no salary cap, then hell. Clark Hunt, you better be spending like the New York Yankees. We know about right. technical right. money, you know, like <laughs> but this is a, a game and, and this is the parody that the NFL plays in and the owners want it this way. Cause they make more money keeping it at a certain point and And I you know all that plays into it. So you have to ask those money questions. So I think if there's a fair deal where you're getting Sammy, when Sammy Watkins is healthy, no one is arguing that he's a great number three pass catcher for you. Right. So it's like he can't stay on the field. So you can't give him if he wants $8 million. Like he says, okay, two or three, maybe four or three. And you can get it up to to six or eight, you know, depending on incentives. Like
5: the I kind know. of money you'd the kind of money you'd play pay a restricted free agent. You know, two or three million dollars. You know, you and you, if he
4: just wants to come back here because he feels like it's it was a better time than the Ravens and, and yeah. For me, Watkins is like one of the only players we always talked about the Mahomes and Kansas City discount. It's really only happened with with Watkins in the sense when they were able to retain him. <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. If he's going to do that again, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, I, I don't know. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it,
5: it all depends on the money. You know, I, even as there's a lot of people who are unhappy with Frank Clark and want him gone. But most of them would say if the money's right, he could stay. You know, it's always a question. It's always a question about how much money is involved. 19 million dollar salary and a 26 million dollar cap hit I think it is for Clark this year is too much for what he's been given for given to the team uh over the last uh, couple of seasons. You can't do it. I mean yeah, you just can't. Yeah.
4: It's pay cut it's pay cut or gone. And I, yeah, you know, I think there also is a question before we, we move on. I also, I think there's also a question of like I don't know, I sense that once the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Brett Veach mentally move on from a guy, mm-hmm. they Just move on. I I know there was a lot of rumblings last year about Justin Houston, you know, potentially coming back to the Chiefs. I just don't think they like to do it. I mean, they're very comfortable with their breakups. They're not going back to the old well like uh, Mm -hmm. like everyone sometimes likes to do. Um, I think they move on to the next project, the next player, and and uh, I wonder if they kind of already said to themselves, "We're going to rebuild this defensive line without Frank." You know,
5: that could be. That could be. All right, last one,
4: is which is interesting. It's a similar situation to Frank Clark as Anthony Hitchens. Um, my take on this is let's try to assume that this was happening a year before and Willie Gay was the replacement player for Anthony Hitchens. I think Anthony Hitchens would have a real case of just simply staying on the roster. It, it wasn't that way because um, it was Nick Bolton, and Nick Bolton led the team in tackles by several tackles and looked fantastic every time he was on the field. And I think he just saved so much money by having your Mm -hmm. Mike linebacker um, be on the rookie contract. We're always talking about rookie contracts for quarterbacks. They just have great rookie contracts on their offensive line. And the Mike linebacker, uh, which can be a premium position depending on the guy, Mm -hmm. uh, is, I I just think it's too lucrative an opportunity. And Anthony Hitchens, it's double. Anthony Hitchens is fine, but he didn't show enough to be like, we need this player in our team. And at the same time, his replacement guy thrived. Uh, uh, there were injuries, and he was wearing the green dots. Uh, he had that great game where the rest of the Chiefs, and you could go from one to fifty-two, stunk. He had that great game <laughs> against the Titans, yeah, uh, where they lost twenty-seven to three. Uh, I just can't see a scenario, and I, you know, I think Clark might be actually more likely to take a pay cut than Hitchens. I, I you know, the Hitchens that went through that whole. Thing with the fans and where Matthew gets up and apologizes, Hitchens is like no comment. I I don't know. I think he knew what this year was. He tried to make the best of it, and I, I think he's gonna move on.
5: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work. a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans.
2: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I
4: want to get to the uh, NFL honors. Uh, I know that uh, you were there with with Tyron Matthew, uh, being the competitor yeah. that you are, and you, you kind of mentioned it already. How do you balance enjoying a night like that with the long, you know, to be playing in this game?
1: You know what? I thought it was a, it was an awesome experience. Um, the NFL did a great job of of making it fun, um, making it, you know, enjoyable for everybody. I know that I was, I was there supporting my brother for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. He was the nominee for the Eagles. And then, obviously, uh, my other brother, uh, the Honey Badger, uh, supporting him as he was up there on stage. And it's just, um, it's cool. It's cool to see everybody else throughout the league uh, in a setting like that, where you got the Hall of Famers, you got uh, the guys that have played in the league and the guys that are that are stars in the league now. Um, it was just, a, it, was a, it was a really cool moment. And then to see uh, Witt at the end, uh, just have an absolutely unbelievable moment, um, inspiring us all to, to, you know, do what we can in our communities. And uh, and never stop. I mean, it was just uh, it was a magical night. It was fun. Travis's foundation, of course, 87 and running. You do a lot with the shadow buddies and we know Operation
4: Breakthrough in Kansas City. So that's worth noting here uh, as well. I have to ask you about this. Uh, Michael Keegan Key, I thought he did a great job. He did have a little bit of a, a dig in the middle of the show and they panned right to you. I guess my question is two pronged here. A. Like, what are you thinking in that lighthearted moment? And then B, even though it is lighthearted, I mean, you know, Pat, I mean, how much maybe does even a little moment like that maybe motivate him uh, to come back stronger oh, next year?
1: Yeah, I don't know if you can find too much to to motivate Pat even more. I mean, the guy's one of the most motivated people I've <laughs> ever met in my life. He's the ultimate competitor. He's just always trying to find yeah. ways to get better. And uh you know, Keegan, uh, he's an awesome guy. He's a, absolutely hysterical. Um, I respect the try, but um, I think it was <laughs> a dig really at me because uh, I called game on his Los Angeles Chargers a couple That's weeks right. back, and he was he was in attendance. I actually got to meet him on the field before that game, uh, so I think it was a little bit of a dig, knowing that yeah, I got you during the season. Um, we we like, did. I, see- almost him. I almost boot him. I almost booed him. I was <laughs> sitting there. I was like, ah, I'm not gonna act like.
4: I was surprised at how well you handled. Try
1: to be it. a controlled. Travis no right smile. Now. No smile.
4: Yeah, you you kind of shook your head, and and that's true. I remember. And Patrick kind of went to the sideline a little bit in that Thursday night game. You know, being in attendance there too. So there's a little bit back and forth. I I think there. I do want to go back to the playoff game, and I'm I'm wondering about the Bills game and the emotional roller coaster that that game was. And is it fair to say, or is there any thought to maybe there being I don't want to say a letdown, but something where, um, you know, there was just a little bit more calmness going into that Bengals game. And if not that, how have you been wrapping your head around kind of what transpired on that day?
1: I don't think that uh, anything lingered into the Bengals game. We came out, started fast, put up points immediately. Uh, yeah. It was the adjustments that in the second half that we needed to make and just uh, the plays in the second half that we needed to make that we didn't make. Yeah. Um and I'd be the first one to put my hand in the air and say I needed to be better. I need to be better for our team for 1-5 back there, um, making plays uh, for, you know, like I know how to help, help trend, transcend our, our, you know, our offense uh, in that second half. And I just, I don't know. It's uh, still trying to figure it out, uh, yeah. still trying to, you know, learn from it so it doesn't happen again. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely one that's going to sting for a while.
4: What it leads into is this sort of a, a fork in the road off season, and you guys have been so good these past three years, and it seems like there may be like a little bit of additional turnover. How do you kind of think about these past three years, and how tough is that part of the game where, man, you won a championship with these guys? You guys have been on such a run, and it may not necessarily be the same exact team kind of going into what would be the 2022 season.
1: Well, I think it uh... – it makes you appreciate uh, what you've been through together. I think a little bit more knowing that it, uh, yeah, guys might go here, there. Um, Some things might happen to where the the makeup of the team just doesn't look the same. And that's the business that is the NFL. You know, it's uh, the turnover in the NFL is uh, the stats on that is pretty ridiculous in terms of the guy, the new guys in the league uh, year in, year out. And I just, um, like I said, I think it just, it, it makes you appreciate all the all the memories that you've had with the guys, um, and just uh, appreciate all this, all the success we've had.
2: So I'm curious, the Chiefs and Bills divisional playoff game. Did you watch that game? Were you able to catch that entire football yeah, game?
6: Uh, yeah, no, I got it. It, it, was, <laughs> it was amazing. It was. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that uh, before. Uh, it yeah. was. It it was crazy. It was. I, it it kind of reminded me a little bit of the 2020 or 2019 Monday night football against the Rams, you know, when the game that was like 51 53. So a little, a little bit of the same thing. Yeah. It's it's amazing.
2: I I was actually going to mention that specific game because that's what it reminded me of too. And that's from a, a football fan perspective. Like that's one of the greatest football games I've ever seen because it was just fireworks from start to finish. And that game had that feel like, I'm curious for Laurent DuVernay-Tardif, like what was your reaction? 13 seconds left on the clock. Chiefs get the ball back and somehow get into field goal range and not only force overtime, but then actually win the football
6: game. It, It was, it was nuts, you know, and, and you gotta, you gotta remind yourself that like, there was like two other opportunity when the game was basically over and the Chiefs were able to score and get, you know, keep themselves in a position to win. Like it's, It it was, it's, it's amazing. And and as a player, I've been in similar situation, not as extraordinary, where like, everything's on the line, you got to go win it, you know, and, and and you you kind of forget about everything you get, you just like go back to your training and Coach Reed has done a tremendous job in the eight years that I was there to like, always kind of practice those scenario, like there's 13 seconds on the clock, what type of play, what's important, get out of bounds, how many timeouts. And I feel like that's why the chiefs are the best in the league in two minute situation. It's because everybody's in sync on the same page and moving the ball down the field and they were able to kick the field goal. So that's uh, I think it just speaks to how great of a uh, coaching staff you guys have in Kansas city. I, I'm
2: just curious. Cause I can remember to how I reacted at the end of that football game. And I was just as, as somebody who's not like a diehard chiefs fan or anything. I was jumping up and down in my apartment because it was just insane. It it was one of the most improbable endings I've ever seen, like 13 seconds left on the clock. You're like, that game's over there. No, nobody comes back and ties the football game with 13 seconds. So, what was the reaction like? Were, were you celebrating? Were you jumping around? Were you going nuts exactly like I was in
6: my apartment in Kansas City? I mean, honestly, I think my mom was more excited than I was. Like, I, <laughs> I, I think I think as an offensive lineman who who played the game, like, you're looking at the different possibility, how much time, how many how many timeouts, that kind of stuff. You don't really get over excited or over like. Um, um, You know down when something bad happened you you try to like put your emotion on cruise control and i feel like that's the best way to approach the game especially when you know one minute you're losing the other one you're you're winning and then there's 13 seconds you're winning you're winning the toss and then you win the game like you got to maintain some sort of like um emotional balance (laughs) otherwise it's it's hard to keep your
1: composures